Job chapter 29, verses 1 through 25. Here, for this is the word of the Lord. And Job again took up his discourse and said, Oh, that I were as in the months of old, as in the days when God watched over me, when his lamp shone upon my head, and by his light I walked through darkness. As I was in my prime, when the friendship of God was upon my tent, when the Almighty was yet with me, when my children were all around me, when my steps were washed with butter, and the rock poured out for me streams of oil, when I went out to the gate of the city, when I prepared my seat in the square, the young men saw me and withdrew, and the aged rose and stood. The princes refrained from talking and laid their hand on their mouth. The voices of the nobles was hushed, and their tongues stuck to the roof of their mouth. When the ear heard, it called me blessed, and when the eye saw, it approved. Because I delivered the poor who cried for help, and the fatherless who had none to help him. The blessing of him who was about to perish came upon me. And I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy. And I searched out the cause of him whom I did not know. I broke the fangs of the unrighteous and made him drop his prey from his teeth. Then I thought, I shall die in my nest, and I shall multiply my days as the sand. My roots spread out to the waters with the dew all night on my branches, my glory fresh with me, and my bow ever new in my hand. Men listened to me and waited and kept silence for my counsel. After I spoke, they did not speak again. And my word dropped upon them. They waited for me as for the rain. And they opened their mouths as for the spring rain. I smiled on them when they had no confidence. In the light of my face, they did not cast down. I chose their way and sat as chief. And I lived like a king among his troops. Like one who comforts mourners. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we get older and live through the various stages of life, the first thing we notice is that things change and nothing remains the same. And there are memories and experiences from the past that we hold on to and cherish. We can all relate to the longing of wanting to go back in time and relive a special moment in our lives whether it is from childhood or your children's childhood, your teenage years, or when you first got married, or it may be a place that you once visited. And these longings are not all bad because God placed these longings in our souls to point us beyond these worldly experiences. Because these longings point us to a place where there is peace, where there is happiness and righteousness, but there, these experiences will never end. 
They won't just slip away. They will be everlasting experiences. It will be the family reunion to top all family reunions. It will be an everlasting family vacation that will top all family vacations if you've ever had a good one. It will be the ultimate love feast where all the saints will be gathered around the table of their Savior. This is sort of what we can take away from what Job says in chapter 29. He longs to go back to the good old days, but the truth is, although he is not aware of it yet, what he longs for is still ahead of him. He is not without hope in the world. And what we long for as Christians is also still ahead of us. So far, if you haven't noticed, Job has been an open book. He has expressed his longings throughout this book. See, our longings reveal our hearts and what it is we truly desire. And we can sum up Job's longings by saying that he has been longing for God and his justice. We have come to his third and final speech that goes from chapter 29 all the way through chapter 31. As he moves away from addressing his friends and moves closer to his encounter with God. And he lays out his longings once again as he longs for the good old days when first, God was his friend. Secondly, when he was treated with dignity. And thirdly, he expected glory in his latter days. Again, he longs to be God's friend. He longs for dignity. And he longs for glory. First, He longs to be God's friend again. He longs for the blessing of being in a loving fellowship with God. He longs for that fellowship to be restored. He believes that this fellowship is gone because of all that he has suffered. And we establish that this entire speech is one of longing because of how it begins. He begins with the words, Oh that! These words are repeated throughout the book. And it is meant to signal Job's deepest longings. It's equivalent to how we would say, oh, how I wish. But Job says here, oh, that I were as in the months of old. Here he is reminding us of how he was at the beginning of the book in chapter 1. Blessed with all spiritual and worldly blessings. But it was not just the blessings that he longed for, but it was to be in this close covenant bond with God. And out of that bond, he said he enjoyed his prosperity. So this is not Job buying into the prosperity gospel. But his enjoyment of all that he possessed flowed from his fellowship with God. He considered his entire life to be blessed by the hand of God because those were the days when God watched over him, when his lamp shone upon his head and he walked by his light through darkness. In other words, the Lord's face was shining upon Job. He was showing him his favor. God 
Himself was His lamp and the light to His dark paths. And it was in His prime. He is not talking about His youth here, but rather it was the days when He was more mature in His walk with the Lord. When every aspect of his life was centered around his fellowship with God. His home, his family, and his ranch. This was when the friendship of God was upon his tent or his house. How great it is to be considered a friend of God. To be God's friend. Because Friendship is a bond of mutual affection. A friend is someone whom you trust and confide in. And you have confidence that this friend will show up when you need him most. Abraham was considered a friend of God because he believed in him. Jesus called his disciples his friends. So Jesus calls all of you friends. Who were once God's enemies. If you trust in him. The almighty was with Job. And all ten of his children were all around him. His home was blessed. And he was blessed with prosperity. A lot of what is said here. Ought to remind us of how it was in the garden of Eden. When God walked with Adam. Or when later God would walk with Enoch. God walked with Job. And it says that Job's steps were washed with butter. Now this is a crazy image to think about. It sounds a bit messy and could be slippery at times. But the metaphor is simple. The word for butter can also be translated as curds. In the Song of Moses in Deuteronomy 32 verse 14 He speaks of curds from the herd and milk from the flock to describe God's care for Jacob and the promise of prosperity. So this is speaking of prosperity that overflows out of Job's cup onto the ground around him as he walks in it. And he says, the rock poured out from me streams of oil. Now this speaks of even more prosperity. Just before verse 14 in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 13, he says, He suckled him with honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock. Olive oil was used for many things in life at that time. For cooking, for fuel, for lamps, for anointing. And when used here, it speaks of an abundance of provision to sustain life. And think of it. Who is this rock in Deuteronomy chapter 32? Well, it is none other than God himself. God gives an abundance and provides and cares for his children in both worldly as well as spiritual ways. Paul speaks of Israel of old when he says, For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. He is the God who cares for his people. So Job wanted to have this loving fellowship with God restored because he thought he was under God's judgment. 
He believed that God was holding his sins against him. He thought he was now an enemy of God just because of all that he had suffered. And he didn't know why. But is this how God loves his children? We know that he disciplines his children. But does he just walk away from his children? Well, no, he is always with his children. It is not one mistake and you're done, I'm out of here. Well, no, that's how some of us love. But that is not how God loves. And just because we're going through hardship, it doesn't mean that he is no longer watching over us or no longer caring for us. He is still our friend. He is still with us. If only Job knew what we know from this book, that God was with him and for him all along and in every way, especially against Job's number one enemy, Satan. Job was still blessed by God, even though he was suffering. And this relationship to God foreshadows the one who was in perfect Loving fellowship with God. His one beloved son who was at his father's side. And as he walked this earth, he was always in communion with his father. Yet he was actually and truly forsaken by his father. For us, mind you. Secondly, Job longs for the dignity that he once had. Although Job was blessed by God, he did not keep it all to himself. He did not hide from the world, but he sought to serve the world with what he was blessed with. One of the important doctrines recovered during the Reformation was the doctrine of vocation or work, having a job. And this was in reaction to many in the church who were making everything in the secular world out to be bad. But Christians are not called to escape from the world, like monks. And on the flip side, we're not called to christen everything in society, or Christianize society. We're not here to redeem every aspect of society. There's only one redeemer. But societies are blessed when Christians live up to our calling. We are called to bless society with our talents, to serve the good of society, to serve the world. That's what the word secular means. It doesn't mean bad, it means the world. It is the one sphere that we hold in common with unbelievers. It is one way that we love our neighbors and our neighbors love us back when they pay for our services. It is the good works that we are called to walk in from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And so Job served the world. He was called to be a judge or ruler over his people. And in that calling, he was a blessing to others and was treated with respect and dignity. And so Job longed for the days when he received respect and honor for his services. And this is a biblical principle. This is not Job being self-righteous at all. Paul reminds us that we are to show respect to whom respect is owed and honor to whom honor is owed. 
So Job remembers when he went out to the gate of the city. And just as you enter through the gate, you'd find a town square. This was like a, an open marketplace where people would go to conduct business, to buy and to sell. And at the same time, it was used as a courthouse or a courtroom where governing authorities would gather to make judicial decisions. There you would find people of various statuses. You'll find young men hanging around trying to get the scoop about what is going on in the square that day. You'll find the aged and the elders of the people sitting in the square, as well as princes and nobles. So imagine the scene as it plays out in Job's mind, as he thinks back to the way things used to be. It is much like a U.S. Supreme Court hearing held outdoors. He walks through the gates of the city and walks through the large crowd in the town square. His eyes are set on a seat that is elevated in the middle of the square. He is wearing a robe, which is a symbol of status and sets him apart from everyone else. And the young men see him and move out of the way. They make room for him to walk a clear path so he doesn't even have to say, excuse me. The elders rise from their seats as a sign of respect and honor. The princes, those who hold one of the highest positions of authority in the land, refrain from talking and they lay their hands over their mouths. The nobles are hushed and their tongues stick to the roof of their mouths, which means they are unable to speak because of Job's presence And they were waiting for him to speak. What honor and respect. Something that many in the coming generations are lacking today. He says, men listened to me and waited and kept silence for my counsel. As he walked up to take his seat as judge. And from that seat he was a blessing to the people by making judgments on cases presented to him. And they listened. They didn't try to stop him or interrupt him. After I spoke, they did not speak again. And my word dropped upon them. They waited for me as for the rain. And they opened their mouths as for the spring rain. They were waiting for the blessing of hearing his words of justice. That were also gracious and life-giving. So the people didn't show him respect blindly or without reason. They weren't muscled into showing him honor. They were in agreement with his judgments. When they heard his pronouncements, they called him blessed. They acknowledged that there was something different about this man. He displayed wisdom in his decisions. When they saw the results of that wisdom, they approved. Why? Because he was a man of justice and righteousness. He said, I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe, much like the robe he wore, which set him apart. And he wore justice like a turban, which he probably wore as it was worn by rulers and judges at that time. What he is saying is that what he wore on the outside was a mantle, a sign of high responsibility, like a police uniform or a judge's or a pastor's robe. And it was reflective of the man he was on the inside. He was a blessed man who was just in his 
character and his actions. And he was a blessing to society as he sat and made judgments. How? Well, he helped those who could not help themselves. He delivered the poor who cried for help because they are easily taken advantage of, especially by those with money and connections. They can pay someone off to get a trial dismissed and falsely accuse the poor defendant. There's that old saying, everyone has a price. As sinners, that is true. But Job wasn't doing it for the recognition of men because he didn't seem like a man you could easily pay off. He delivered the fatherless, the orphans who had none to help them. They had no fathers to guide and protect them. He saved the one who was about to perish or starve due to lack of food and shelter. He caused the widow's heart to sing for joy because she was delivered by Job after she lost her husband, which meant in those days she lost everything. So he was eyes to the blind who could not see and feet to the lame who could not walk. He was a father to the needy and he searched out the cause of him whom he did not know. This is speaking of the stranger, the visitor, the sojourner in the land or the migrant worker. He sought to protect the dignity of the stranger who also ran the risk of being taken advantage of. If you haven't noticed, people don't do well with strangers. But the author of Hebrews says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. And finally, he says that he broke the fangs of the unrighteous and made him drop his prey from his teeth. This is speaking of someone who is strong and able, someone at the top of the food chain, someone in a powerful position who is a predator and is always seeking for his next prey. This is speaking of someone who is a tyrant. And Job said he stopped him in his tracks. He is saying that he was no respecter of persons. He was impartial. He showed no partiality to someone's status. He didn't care who you were. Justice must be served and the innocent protected. We pray that we still have men like this in our society today, don't we? Men who share God's blessing with the people and build them up without partiality. He says, I smiled on them when they had no confidence. In the light of my face, they did not cast down. Now this sounds like he is trying to be like God, doesn't it? Because in the scripture, to have God smile on the people is a blessing. And to have the light of his countenance or the light of his face to shine upon the people is a way of saying that God blesses his people with his favor. So Job is saying, basically, that he is the image of God's face because he is in fellowship with God. So now he is simply saying, since I am blessed by God, I am able to bless others. And they did not turn it away. I was their guide. I was like a shepherd to them. I ruled with justice and compassion. I chose their way and sat as chief. And I lived like a king among his troops, like one who comforts mourners. But why was he this way? Was he being self-righteous? 
Well, no. It was all rooted in his status as a child of God. It was rooted in his blessed fellowship with God. So out of that, he reflected God and his justice. And he says this in light of all the injustice he received from his so-called friends. He did this all for others, but he did not receive the same treatment in return. Because when we analyze it, have we lived up to this standard? We should ask ourselves, have we been a blessing to others since we have been blessed by God? Because ultimately, who does this sound like? Who is the just judge of all? According to Luke, right after Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, where did he go? He went to the synagogue where he stood up to read from Isaiah chapter 61. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And this is what he did. He was a man of justice and compassion. Peter said, He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And not only that, but his words were gracious and a blessing. Jesus said, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Peter confesses to Jesus, you have the words of eternal life and we have believed. And I've come to know that you are the Holy One of God. In other words, they heard his words and called him blessed. Much like Job. Jesus was the ultimate blessed one who gave sight to the blind, made the lame to walk. He was a father to the fatherless and a savior to the stranger, as the Gentiles would also be called to believe in this Jesus. And this Jesus called himself the good shepherd of the sheep to guide and to protect them. Also, he was appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. He was exalted as king to rule over us. And as king, although he is enthroned, yet he sympathizes with us in our weaknesses and he comforts us as we mourn. Because before he was exalted, he received unjust treatment at the hands of evil men so that he would make us a just people for himself when he was raised. Now just imagine the scenery when he returns with his kingdom. Imagine all who will pay homage to him. But instead of rising at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And there as he sits on his throne dressed in his heavenly white robe, there will be a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes themselves, robes that were given to them by the Lamb, with 
palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Imagine that scenery. Imagine that town square. So thirdly and finally, Job longs for glory. He expected a restful retirement from social service and that he would die peacefully at home in his nest, which is to mean that he would die surrounded by his family, specifically his ten children, because he didn't expect that he would lose all of his ten children. Then the next few verses refers to the expectations of a long and fruitful life. But within our own context, we can also see these as the blessings of everlasting life. He expected to live long. I shall multiply my days as the sand. He expected that his whole being, his roots and branches would produce fruit. His roots would spread out to the waters with the dew all night on his branches. This is a similar picture of the righteous man found in Psalm chapter 1. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Or in Jeremiah chapter 17, when he speaks about the man who trusts in the Lord and how he is like a tree that sends out its roots by the stream. He expected the light of his face to shine brightly each day. He says, my glory fresh with me and my bow, which is symbolic for strength, ever new in my hand. He expected his strength to be renewed each day. Why? Because he thought that's the way the world worked. He thought that justice would prevail. Now all of these longings, longing to be God's friend, longing for justice and dignity, and longing for glory would all be realized by Job in chapter 42. But we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But if we go back in the record of Scripture, all of these longings were expected by God's people, especially by the judges and kings who came in David's line. There was an expectation that the kings were in fellowship with God, that they would be dignified men of justice, and that they would experience the blessings of life. If you want to go back even further, this was expected of Adam in Eden. Adam was expected to rule as a king over all of creation. He was made in the image of God and was to walk with God uprightly and to receive the blessing of eternal life in the presence of God. But he failed to keep the terms. And so now, what Job longed for is finally and completely fulfilled in one greater than Adam. And greater than Job. One who came in David's line. He was the ultimate friend of God. He walked justly and was a blessing to the people. And he was exalted as king and judge of the living and the dead. After going through the hardship of the cross for his people. And this was the ultimate act of justice. As he canceled our debt. And so, we as Christians who were once unjust are also called to be a just people because we are united to a just Savior. 
our fellowship with God has been restored through Jesus Christ, who lived a just life for us. And the Lord told us what is pleasing to him in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, that we are to clothe ourselves in righteousness. Paul also asked the Corinthians when they were committing heinous sins, and taking each other to court and being divisive, do you not know that the saints will judge the world? Wearing white robes at Christ's return. So all these longings are good. These longings ought to belong to the Christian. The longing of friendship with God. The longing for righteousness and dignity. And the longing for glory. But they are not to be considered apart from our faithful Savior Jesus Christ. Many people desire these things. Apart from Jesus Christ. And it will never come to fruition. It will never be realized. It will never be fulfilled. It is only in Christ. That we will experience these blessings. Because although we only see glimpses and experience. Only a taste of these expectations in this world. One day it will be fully realized. As we gaze into the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Where he will forever be our lamp. His smile and his light will forever shine upon us. And we will receive comfort for our souls. That so often mourn. As he said to us. Blessed are those who mourn. For they will be comforted. Amen.